Show of hands out there, who is feeling some work-related stress these days? Hey, knock out a few jumping jacks. Or maybe that looming deadline's causing a little bit of anxiety? Go for a run around the block. But before you do either, let's spend a little bit of time talking about cardio, meditation, and a good old kick of endorphins. You're listening to The Big Balance, the podcast for anybody looking for clear, simple advice they can actually apply. Give us a little of your time each week, and we'll help you figure out work, life, and everything in between. Hello, everybody. This is Brian, and I'm back with Andy. Andy, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. How are you? I'm actually uh, really excited to talk about today's topic and to let everybody know Different Strokes and the Facts of Life, two shows that I, as a Gen Xer, grew up watching, are doing their live studio audience shows tonight. And I had to record it instead of watching it live, but I decided I'd rather record this podcast with you, Brian. Does that make you feel honored? I appreciate the dedication to the show. Uh, It's weird that they're coming back for a single episode. We'll see how their ratings go compared to ours. Probably much better. Uh, They probably will, but um, you you mentioned ratings, and I've noticed that we've been picking up some listeners, which is a great thing. We have actually, and this is something I, I talked to John a little bit about. I don't think I've talked to you. Have you ever heard of something called Good Pods? I have not. Good Pods is a, a way to listen to podcasts, and there's dozens of them out there. But there's more of a community aspect, and okay. definitely been connecting to people on Good Now, a lot of people on Good Pods are podcasters, so I feel like it's a little bit of a, almost like a support group at this point. Mm-hmm. But I'll take it. It's I'm, I'm talking to people. They're hearing our show. I'm hearing theirs. And it's just been a good experience. So, yeah, I think it's been helping our listenership, too. Absolutely. And I think the more interactive, the better. So if anybody wants to leave comments, make suggestions, or provide us good old-fashioned feedback, what did you like, what didn't you like, I think we're more than open to that. Yeah, we're always always up for feedback. And the call-out I've made before, again, specifically to the Good Pods people out there, you give our show a listen, give us a rating and review. I've been doing the same thing. I'll, I'll listen to your show, give you any feedback I have as well. I think it's a community where we're all trying to help each other grow, and let's do that. Now, you said you were excited about today's topic, so let's talk about that. What are we talking about today? We want to talk about anxiety. I think no matter how much you try to shut out the outside noise, you can't help it. Um, this pandemic has affected everybody. The constant news, the trauma, the tragedies, the worry even. There isn't any avoiding it. And, you know, we know that what goes on in your personal life, you sometimes bring over into work with you because so, right now our personal lives and our professional lives are so interconnected. And that, that in and of itself is a cause for anxiety too. The The fact that there isn't really that separation is itself a source of anxiety because you can't decompress one from the other anymore. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, my wife and I were talking about this today. You know, we're, we're both in the house. We're both working. We're around each other all the time. And there are some moments where it causes, where, where it does cause stress. So yeah, there, there are struggles with it. It's, you're human. They're supposed to be. Andy, you're literally the most high-strung person I've ever met in my life. Oh, come on. You have a jolly, cheery grin on your face as you're, <laughs> as you're tensing up, but you're always tensed up. Always. No, I... Listen, you've met a lot of people in your life. That's a, uh, that's a pretty big statement that you just made there. I've met a lot of people in my years on this earth. I've only met one person I ever thought was going to flip a table on me. And <laughs> <laughs> his name is Andy Jones. Well, uh, so do you remember that, by the way? I do remember that. 
Yeah. Well, the problem is when you argue, sometimes you go off topic and you'll be like, John, what do you think? Steve, what do you think? And that really bothered me. <laughs> Got to me. I like to argue. Uh, I, I, like, I like the sound of my own voice. That's why I started a podcast. Yeah, that's a good point. You are the podfather. Pod, actually, there's a there's a guy called the Podfather in Good Pods. I can't take that title. It's already taken. No, okay. Well, it's an unofficial title, and maybe you two should fight over the title. <laughs> maybe he'll flip a table at me, a virtual table. But um, to kind of go on that, you know, you're talking about high strung, and, I, and I'll even take feedback on this. So we were at a wedding, and I was talking with somebody from HR. I was texting candidates. I was sending out offers. So I've never been one that can kind of unplug, but I always look at it as, as this, the task is going to be there and I'm going to be thinking about the task. You know, when I'm up in the air, flying back home, when I'm landing, it's going to, it's going to constantly be on my mind. I personally would rather take 10 minutes out of my day, even if it's on a vacation to just knock it out and complete it. Does that make sense? Maybe it's not the healthiest way to go about things, but I don't really know any other way. Yeah, it makes sense, but it's just weird duality to me where on the surface level, look, we all know that work never actually ends. We don't get to, well, I guess when you retire or die, but short of retiring or dying, work is never actually going to end. There's always going to be that next task. But then in the short term, we think, well, let me just get that one last, let me just check that one last email on the plane, or let me just get to this one last text message or reach out in your case to the one more candidate. But it's such a short-lived leg up that I don't know. I'm, I'm not disagreeing with you, but at the same time, I wonder if you're you're adding more stress by doing those few minutes of work at a time than you would be if you just let it all go till you got back. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever know. I, I don't know if I'll ever know. I don't. I don't know if it's within my personality to not be able to do that. You know, it's funny. I was talking to a candidate that we're going to give an offer to. You know, I was letting her know I'm going to be on PTO, but I'll be reachable. And she had said, uh, she made a comment to me and she's like, well, Andy, you're not making me feel really good about the work-life balance with your company. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Good for her. Good for her. (laughs) But I had to make it clear that that was me. That was of my own volition. Nobody was making me do it. It's what I've decided to do. That is a good red flag, though, and actually one that John mentioned on this show a while back when we did the episode on John looking for his new job that he's at right now. Uh, I think he had a a question or comment for his recruiter and they came back saying, Hey, great question. We'll get back to you, but guys on PTO and we don't answer stuff over the weekend. And John's like, well, that's great to hear. I actually appreciate you not getting back to me in that case. So no, I, 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 good for her and no recognizing that it is you as a, a personality thing how much of that personality is driven by the jobs you've had in your past and how they shaped your perception of what a good job is at the end of the day. I have to think about that. We're digging into your psyche here, digging into your psyche real deep. about that. I I don't know if that's a chicken or an egg question, if that's just my personality or um, if it is the kind of jobs that I've had. Uh, I remember for years I was teaching gymnastics. I mean, the company that I worked for, we were a mobile company. We had our mats in a band. We would go to two or three different schools a day. And then the day would be over. But I never really stopped thinking about it. It was always on my mind. Uh, I mean, when I was 17, I was working like 50 to 60 hour weeks. Well, gymnastics, by the way, is an incredibly high pressure sport to be involved with, either as somebody who's an athlete or somebody who's managing and coaching said athlete. So 
yeah, you started pretty early in the high-stress game. So I, I'm going to say that that probably helped shape what your perception is, right. if I had to guess, not being any kind of a psychoanalyst or a therapist at all. No. And I'm, yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not asking to be psychoanalyzed. I, I just, you know, I started in that sport when I was four. I competed till I was 15. I coached from 15 to 25. And it was just nonstop. So maybe that is why I have the personality that I do, kind of like that high-strung mentality. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not, again, it's not just you. I, I, I've and taking a step back all the way back to episode one, why we're even here. I'm not here because I'm an expert on anything that we talk about. I'm here because I'm trying to get better at this stuff too. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't feeling some anxiety a lot lately. Year end is typically a time that a lot of I don't know a lot of companies are maybe unwinding a little bit, and it feels like at least for us. After a really rocky, I guess, couple of years, not even just one year, after a rocky couple of years with everything that's going on, to your point, it's been hectic, I guess is an easy way to say it. Um, so this is definitely a topic that I'm also excited about because I'm feeling it. Right. So I was reading an article on Inc. and they had cited three main reasons why employees are quitting their job. And this is according to a survey. The number one main reason employees quit was burnout. Burnout was cited by 40% of the survey respondent. John Kress, a researcher at Lamede, says the first step to solving burnout in your organization is recognizing it's happening in the first place. So a couple of signs they said to look out for, and you can look out for those within yourself, cynicism, stress, physical and emotional exhaustion, apathy, and it usually happens to once highly engaged employees. And I'm going to share a story with you about this time I had talked to a therapist, a psychologist, and I just told her, I said, you know, I had hit the wall. My kids were in school at home. I was working up in a bedroom because I didn't have office space. I was home with my wife and I just like had to surrender. I had to talk to somebody. It actually helped me feel good. You know, the venting to a professional, that's what they're paid to do, made me feel a lot better but she also gave me some other techniques that I know we're going to cover uh, a little bit later in this episode. I never thought about how I physically manifest a emotional level of stress until very recently. Something I do when I'm stressed and I don't even realize it for a while is I will physically hold my breath. Yeah, that's that's a weird. Is that just me? Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a weird quirk. You remind me of a five year old. I know. So you're saying you're like a five year old <laughs> that can't get a toy or an extra Twinkie. So you're just gonna hold. Well, I'm breath. not being petulant about it. I just hold my breath when I, for some unknown reason, when I'm feeling stressed. Oh, that's weird. That's the first that I've heard of it, but I'm sure you're not the only one. Do you think that's why? What do you do? What 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 do you? How do you physically manifest stress? I swear. That's less childish? Yeah, it's extremely emotionally intelligent and adult. Oh, okay. But I've also done other things too since I'm working at home. I've noticed when I start to get stressed, I'll just take my dogs out. So I do like two or three walks a day with them. And it helps, believe it or not. See, I was going to say, I see you doing like stress burpees or stress push-ups or something. No, no stress burpees or stress push-ups. But I have incorporated uh, something into my morning routine that made me feel a whole lot better. A little foreshadowing there. A little foreshadowing there. It made me feel a whole lot better and made me feel a whole lot calmer. The number two reason people gave was job seekers left seeking flexibility. 
When asked what attracted them to their current job, Job Changer cited the ability to work remotely and other forms of flexibility, like a non-traditional work schedule. But it's kind of ironic. We actually had somebody quit within our organization because we had closed the office that they had usually gone to. His wife runs a daycare out of the house and he just can't be productive. He needed a hybrid model just to have that space away from home and away from the distractions is huge for him. And I'm sure it's going to do a lot for his psyche as well. I had a coworker on my team who had a similar issue. They were not a big fan of work from home. The reason was they moved out to one of our branches that was far from their family. And they were a new enough recruit that they hadn't really put down roots in their new town. And it was a really isolated place to be. You know, he had some people at work. And I would say we're a friendly crew, but like I always say, it's your work isn't family, no matter how much management might want to tell you that. So they moved away from what they knew, who they knew. And now, unbeknownst to them, they're going to be working from home in a home that's not really home. Yeah, that's going to be a huge stressor for anybody. Yeah. So what, speaking about you specifically... What types of things would you expect an employer to show you to prove that they appreciate the job that you're doing and the work that you're doing? I am an incredibly simple man. I am very externally validated. I have a quick anecdote about this. So we we were acquired by a larger organization, but I had joined the company when we were still small and owned by the original owners. And my first month in, I was assigned to a pretty large project, not a major role because I was a month-old employee and nobody knew me from a ham sandwich. But about a month in, one of the two owners of the company came into the office for the first time. It was my first time meeting him. And immediately, without ever talking to me before, says, oh, you're Brian, right? Really good work on the so-and-so project. That might sound like the, the smallest thing in the world to anybody out there listening, but having an owner of the company who doesn't need to care at all about this random guy who's worked for him for a month at a low-level capacity, knowing who I was and, and taking the time out to say, hey, good job on that project, that meant something to me. Is that corny? No, that's not corny at all. I mean, that's you. I don't think that's uh, that's corny at all. And I, I will say I'm not necessarily overly money-motivated, but that being said, we're in a capitalist society, and the ultimate measure of your worth in a capitalist society is how much you're getting paid, right? On one hand, I don't think that it's necessarily always indicative of your company caring for you. A company can pay somebody very well and still not care about them, and vice versa. But in today's environment, today's economy, I think being tone deaf to compensation needs is a sign of not caring. If you have a workforce that is saying, look, we're having issues, maybe with housing, maybe with healthcare costs going up, uh, I need to find daycare and it's getting more expensive because it's harder to find because places are closing down. Having a uh, employer who can work with you from a compensation standpoint in a way that says, look, we might not be able to do everything you want immediately, but let's work on getting things put in place. I think that goes a really long way, right? Well, candidates are trained to think that they can't ask about salary. And employees are trained to think that money isn't the most important thing. I mean, that to me is kind of uh, manipulation placed upon 
the working people from the individuals that are in the ivory towers. But the fact of the matter is bills don't go away and they uh, don't accept dirt for payment. They want currency. So as long as you have bills, you're going to need money to pay them. It's just that simple. Also, turnabout's fair play here. If money's not that big a deal or should be that big a deal, then why is it such a big deal to give me more of it? It's a good point. Yeah, put that in your pipe and smoke it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Put that. No, I haven't heard that saying in a while, but you're 100% accurate. I'm an old man. You are an old man. You're an old soul. Yeah. in a young man's body. What was I used a phrase the other day. You know what it was? Uh, because we are work from home, and there are days that I'm working in my pajamas because I can. I It was cold, and it was the morning, and I said, be right back. I'm going to get my house coat because I'm cold. Apparently, your house coat. Do you use the word house coat at all? Is it just me? Am I the only person under the age of eighty who uses the term house coat? Yes. Really? To being the only person under the age of eighty that uses the term house coat, I don't use the term house. Coat. I'm really looking for somebody to back me up here that that's a regular word that people actually use. Because people look at me like I'm crazy when I say house coat. So obviously, you have some anxiety issues. I have some anxiety issues. Based on the the studies that you're reading, a lot of people do. And just to kind of turn this outward into anybody listening, look, if anybody out there is feeling like they're under the weight of a thousand tasks that are piling up around them at work that they just can't get through, you're in this boat with us too. Not a fun place to be. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, going to talk about a few ways to really deal with this well. And a couple of them are really in Andy's wheelhouse. Cue the porn music. Cue the porn music, which is part of how Andy does like to release his anxiety. So I think we've established that we're all a stressed out bunch of crazies. The question is, what do we do about it? And that's what we're going to cover in the second half today. So Andy, what do you got for us? All right. So let's talk about establishing a routine. Something that I did that worked for me and maybe it'll work for you. As you know, I mean, I've always been a very big physical fitness freak. Uh, Yeah, it upsets me because I'm not. You make me feel fat. Well, good. I'm glad I can shame you. So That's not good. I know it's not good, but it's right. You're a bad friend. I'm a horrible friend. I've never said I was a good friend. So um, anyway, one thing I started doing last May, and I would always work out at night, but I would wake up just completely exhausted. So what I started doing was cardio in the morning before I even ate. It's something called fasted cardio. I didn't even know it was a thing, but apparently it's a thing. Fasted cardio. First couple of days that I did it, I started to notice after I was done in the morning, I could think more clearly. I didn't have this craving or this urge to pound down like a pot of coffee. One or two cups was enough. I felt energized and it was really like a calming feeling. So that's something that I've done since last May that I can honestly say has helped me out exponentially. I mean, what you're saying, that's that's a scientifically backed process as well. When you exercise cardio or otherwise, you're releasing endorphins in your brain. Right. And, and what do endorphins do? They manage stress and pain. So if you are feeling stressed out from your job, if that stress and anxiety is manifesting itself physically in some sort of pain, then Andy, you're exactly on target. If you're exercising, you're releasing brain chemicals that can help 
actively combat that. So it's a great idea. Right. And that's one thing that's a real overlooked aspect of exercise is the brain food. And there have been more and more professionals that are actually talking about it. I mean, you can go online and look at lectures where they go through the, I mean, uh, the hypothalamus or whatever, brain cortex, something or other. Bottom line is it works. The brain cortex. The brain cortex. Bottom line is science hour with Andy Jones. The brain, the brain cortex. The the, uh, the lower exorbital bertubitus, if you will. But the f- I have no idea what that is. I'm uh, just going to take your word for it. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, it's excellent brain food. It keeps you younger, energized, and there's actually some studies that show that it does physically grow your brain, which will help you perform in any aspect of life particularly your job i have a request go ahead can we talk about the treadmill story now sure go ahead let's bring up the treadmill story. you know the story i'm talking about i do but you were a third party observer it came out of my mouth <laughs> you can probably tell the story a lot better than i can here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna set up the story and i don't no commentary from you the only thing i want you to do on cue, where you came in to the story is say exactly what you said, nothing more, nothing less. All right? All right, here we go. We work with a multicultural crew. One of our old co-workers was a devout Muslim. Hadn't always been that way, but when he took his faith to the next level, he gave up drinking. At lunch, I was sitting with Andy, this co-worker, and another co-worker who was listening to him talk about all of these benefits that he felt physically, mentally, emotionally from giving up alcohol. This other coworker said, you know, I should try giving up alcohol and, and see how it works for me. To which Andy perked up and said, why don't you just spend more time on the treadmill? <laughs> why don't you just <laughs> hop on a treadmill? The person was not talking about weight loss, nothing of the sort. But Andy assumed it was a weight loss conversation which in turn made that coworker assume that Andy was de facto calling her fat. And that was that was the most awkward lunch I think we've been involved in in quite a while. Still one of my favorite Andy stories. Yeah. Well, listen, you have to understand. I thought it was because – oh, her response was, it's not because of the carbs, Andy. I mean, that's where my mind <laughs> – I don't think she ever forgave you for that. That still might be simmering in the back of her brain. It was a couple of years later when we did a work function and it was on a Saturday. She was sitting across from me at a restaurant with a group of other people. She had brought that brought that up. And then I remember walking through the <laughs> office. <laughs> I remember walking through the office a couple of days later and uh, one of the directors that we work with, she made reference to that. She's like, yeah, so Andy, you think I need to get on the treadmill? That's not good. Well, you're still employed, so I guess I never made it to HR. I, I, I just I just get this image of you throughout most of your younger years just walking through life blissfully unaware yet entirely confident on where you're going at the same time. Yeah, now that you mention it, that would be correct. But getting back on topic a little bit, trying to, to wrap this up, we're already at just just uh, for everybody out there who's listening who wonders how much of this I edit out at the end of the day, we're at about 50 minutes. Uh, and it's this is probably going to be like 20 minutes, 15 minutes in by the time I'm done. Uh, but we're at a full 50. Anyway, to get this back on topic, the other thing I really like about the idea of cardio from a stress release standpoint 
And Andy, something I think would actually benefit you greatly. I have not been in practice in a bit, but I used to have a bit of a meditation practice going on uh, because for me, I felt it was really helpful to kind of center myself and, and keep focused and deal with mainly work-related stress and some other stress that I had going on in my life a number of years ago. And what I found, meditation is harder than a lot of people think. People think it's just kind of sitting and being still and quiet and almost taking a nap, and it's definitely not that. The idea of not thinking about things is in and of itself a mental exercise. What I found when I was starting out, when you are trying to get in the right frame of mind to really concentrate and focus on a meditation practice, doing 20 minutes of cardio beforehand, I mean all-out cardio to the point where you're heavy breathing and you can't think about anything other than finishing that cardio you're doing right then, that is a great primer for meditation. How long do you meditate for? And do you, is there an app that you download on your phone? Do you listen to you know how you have those instructions on meditation where they say breathe in slow, breathe out, keep your back straight. No, I, I don't. I don't like those. I don't think they make sense because the entire idea of meditating is that you're clearing your mind, right? You're not supposed to be thinking about things, and if you have music or instructions in your ears, that's counterintuitive to meditation. No, the only thing I've ever used, and not a meditation show, but if anybody out there is thinking of trying it out, you know those little, it's a little hand clicker where you click your thumb and it iterates a little counter by one? Yes. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Get one of those, right? And start meditating. And as your mind strays, and invariably it will, especially if you're new at meditating, stop thinking about whatever you were thinking about. Recognize that. You're trying to clear your mind. Don't hold it against yourself. Don't get frustrated, but clear your mind. Click that button. Counts to one. Keep meditating. Variable your mind will again wander. Same thing. Don't get frustrated by it. Just let it go. Get back to meditating. Click again. Now you're at two. When it comes to not just practicing meditation, but getting better at it, getting more disciplined at it, Keep track of the number of clicks each day that you do it. You're going to see that number go. You might have 30 clicks the first time you do it for, for a 10-minute meditation. That's fine. Over the course of the month, two months, the quarter, that number of clicks goes down every day. So that's really the only tool that I would recommend if you're going to try to start meditating. And let me ask you this. Is that something that you do? I've never done it before. Is that something that you, you can do throughout your work day if you're starting to feel stressed? It's like, you know what? I just need to meditate. Or is it something that works better for you or most people in the morning? I'm sure there's a scientifically proven best time of day and best length to do it. I would say for me personally, I'm going for like 10 or 15 minutes is probably the average for me. So yes, you can definitely do that during the day. And yes, in the morning is great. In the evening is great. Anytime that you feel like you're you're kind of losing sight of the forest for the trees is a good time to center yourself, be mindful, and meditate for a minute. And I know that sounds so hippy-dippy, and I'm, I'm not that guy, but it is a good practice. It is something that I think helps. And for anybody who's looking for a reference for material to read up on it, that isn't hippy dippy. Uh, Dan Harris is 10% happier. I think I've mentioned that here before. Highly recommend the book. It's also a podcast. Check it out. So you're, you're talking about things that you want to do and you kind of got into meditation for a little bit and then it dropped off and now you're picking up on your spin bike, doing some cardio. And once you're completely recovered, 
are you dedicated to get that routine going again? And plus, are you going to add in the meditation? Well, here's the thing. Let me let me take a step back too and talk about. I, I have some anxiety right now. This is not the the low point of my life. Even earlier today, I mentioned I have been divorced. Um, when that happened, I didn't necessarily take it well. I went through a, a pretty a pretty dark time, not least of which included erupting at the senior leadership of my old company in a fit of rage related to my divorce, which subsequently led to me being terminated. So. I went through what I would call a, a pretty high anxiety patch, uh, and this is going to be back at the end of 2013, I would say. And for a couple months, I was just in a dark place, and I kind of and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a Jack Kerouac quote here: "One fast move, or I'm gone." Is how I felt about it. So I gave myself a couple months to basically uh, lament the the old life I had that was passing, and I said. 2014 has got to be a better year for me. So with that, that's when I really got disciplined because I felt like I had to get disciplined. I had never been very in shape before that. I was going to the gym every day, twice a day. I had never meditated before that. And I had started during those workout sessions. Again, after I was doing cardio, I would meditate. The practice that I had, both in terms of working out and meditating, both came from a, a position not of not a voluntary self-improvement, I'll say, but self-preservation almost. So when we talk about why those things fell off, quite frankly, it was I got happy, right? I got a new job in 2014, a few months after I unceremoniously left my previous employer. I met somebody, ended up clicking with them, and hey, I got married, had a kid with them. So by midway through 2013, going into midway 2014, Turned a lot of stuff around, and I do thank the discipline that I had around exercising and meditation for a lot of that. The problem is, once that life preserver was no longer needed, kind of put it to the side. So these days, now that I'm feeling a bit of stress again, my mind is going to a place of, well, maybe I shouldn't have put that life preserver away. I don't need it. I'm not in a dire position like I was back then by any stretch. That being said, it was good for me then. It will still be good for me now. Absolutely. Yeah. So I would like to think that I will continue and, and will stay up with it in terms of finding time to carve out of my schedule to do it, knowing I, I do have this work from home, crazy life and a, and a kid to boot. There's always going to be time. And the the word of advice I always give, and I, I don't mean this in any kind of a condemning way for anybody out there listening. How much time do you spend at the end of the day sitting in front of the TV? or playing a video game, or doing anything else that feels good because it's low effort and low energy. If you could take even a half hour of that time, spend 20 minutes taking a jogger on the block, spend the last 10 minutes doing some meditation, if that could have a positive influence on your life, why wouldn't you do that? And, and why not try that? It's an easy thing to experiment with, right? Absolutely. So for me, like my daughter will wake up naturally on her own around 7.30. My daughter, by mandate of her parents, goes to bed at 8 o'clock at night. Between 8 and when I go to bed, and however early I can get up before 7.30, that's time that I can spend towards these activities that we're talking about here. That's a good frame of reference. Self-awareness, acknowledgement, whatever it is you want to call it. No, that's, uh, yeah. that's good. Good for you. 
We're opening up here. I feel very close to you right now. Uh, no, that's good. I feel very good. for a bro hug. <laughs> virtual bro hug. No, no, that's weird. I don't do bro hugs. Okay. But... Well, now I'm closing off emotionally. You just... I opened up to you, and now I'm closing off again. You are a bad friend. Right. You are a bad friend. Look at you. This is why John didn't tell you he was moving. I... No. <laughs> bad guy. Thanks for listening to the Big Balance Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and drop us a comment while you're there. Until next time. Why don't you just spend more time on the treadmill?